It's time for your weekly trip inside the ropes and behind the scenes of the Australian golf industry. Welcome to another episode of the Australian Golf Show with Tiffany Cherry and Mark Allen. Welcome to the Australian Golf Show with your hosts, Mark Allen and Tiffany Cherry. And what a show we have coming up, Marco. This week, we take you inside the ropes to chat with one of the rising stars of not just Australian but world golf. Our cherry picked is Min Woo Lee, who has hit the big time with a world ranking inside the top 50. We'll talk about him and also his uh, super talented sister in a minute. But first of all, Marco, some sad news overnight with the passing of a sporting hero. Yeah, that's right, Lee Elder. Now, you know, at Augusta, uh, they've always got the ceremonial tee off. And, you know, it used to be Jack Nicholas and um, Gary Player and Byron Nelson was there for a little while and Arnold Palmer used to do it as well. You know, just the last few years, uh, they've put Lee Elder in there next to Gary Player and Jack mm. Nicholas. It's a beautiful touch. Mm. You know, Lee Elder, for people who don't know, was the first African-American player to play at Augusta. You know, there are other you know, wonderful African-American players, Charlie Sivert. I mean, the list goes on. There's lots of them. Um, but Lee Elder in so many ways was a real trailblazer. Mm. Uh, he played that. You know, that first week that he played with death threats hanging on his head, um, but just played, you know, Augusta looked after him. Um, and, uh, you know, the, lots have been on Twitter, but I just want to read this little bit. This is Lee Elder. And this was back in 1997. He <laughs> said, I was shedding a tear for Tiger. They did the same thing for me after my first round. Every black, this is Lee Elder's words, who was working at Augusta lined up along the entry to the clubhouse. They clapped and thanked me for coming. If Tiger felt anything like I felt, it had to be so gratifying. So wow. uh, Lee Elder was one of uh, Tiger's heroes. So mm. Charlie Sipper. There, there, there were lots of people who, were, you know, Greg Norman was one of Tiger's heroes as well. Not too many people uh, actually remember that or know that. But um, I, I just think it's, you know, what Augusta did for Lee Elder mm. um, and for African-Americans in the last three, four years that he's been part of that ceremonial hit off. Um, I think he's been magnificent, and I think all the outpouring of emotion uh, after he passed on has been brilliant for the world of golf as well. It's 87. It's a Texan who um, obviously developed his mm. game during the segre- segregated times. He was yeah. caddying and hustling, trying to get some games, trying to get That's a right. bit of cash um, behind him so he could actually get and get on the uh, tour, get his yeah. card. He practiced his golf during the war in the Army. Yeah, and 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 made a good start, you know. He got off mm. to a good start, got some money behind him, and, and he got a lot of support from the players. You know, the, the players back in the sixties uh, and probably the seventies as well. Um, he'll tell you, you know, I've heard him speak before. He'll, he'll tell you that the great majority were so welcoming, you know, including Jack Nicklaus. Mm. So many. So look, it's 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 sad that Lee passes, but it is wonderful the recognition. Um, and particularly from Tiger Woods, who yep. has spoken. Now, have you been catching is, uh, what's happening here? Oh, so, so I'm on the Tiger out. train. Anytime <laughs> he speaks, I listen. Yeah, he's up and he's uh, doing his tournament at the moment, so the one that he does in the Bahamas. And um, he's come on and spoken. And mm. uh, in this interview that he's done, he says that he's going to pick and choose a bit like Ben Hogan used to after his accident. And he says, you know, he's only going to play a couple of tournaments a year. I'd be surprised. Uh, you know, I think if he can get himself to play – Two tournaments a year. I think Tiger Woods will end up playing five or six tournaments a year. Um, if things go well, who knows? He might play 10. 
But to, well, to wake up to that news yeah, is just absolutely wonderful. I know. And you don't, you, you don't want to temper it because it is brilliant. But he, we've got to remember he's had five back operations mm. and he's still recovering from yeah. fractures in his lower leg to both bones of tibia and fibula. And he's had to, I found this interesting, Marco, he's had to lengthen his putter because he can't stand up fully straight because of the fracture still yeah. in his legs. So he's got he's to bend over yeah. a little bit. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I mean, um the, the, the things you do, I guess, and I, I, don't, like, I don't think it's going to affect his putting. It might help. Who knows? But, you know, a change sometimes is as good as a holiday. He, he's notorious for not wanting to change his clubs. He, he uses very short clubs, one degree flat. He's six foot two, by the way, so very flat clubs for someone that tall. Um, I, you know, one of the most interesting things, I, I heard other people say when he had the accident that he was close to losing his leg. When I heard those things in February, I thought, oh, you know, media beat up. Yeah, you know, this is going to be, you know, let, let's let's try and make it worst case scenario and and the hero. It was interesting to hear him say mm. that he almost lost his leg, and that as soon as he um, worked out that he was going to be able to keep it, he wasn't sure how good it was going to be. But you know, he started, you know, getting his hands going again. But uh, it just goes to show, uh, you know, I think a lot of people might have brushed over the fact that media was saying that he was close to losing his legs. But when you hear it from his voice, mm. um, we all now understand just how serious it was. And the mental strength, was. the mental strength of yeah, Tiger Woods right. comes with the four again. So the big question will be, will he make an appearance at the Masters? Will he be ready? Yeah, he's going to play. I, I think he'll play. I, I look. I said last time, um, and I was one of the the few. Uh, probably actually, I was one of the many who said he'd never win again. Um, and he went on the won the Masters, and you know he won the he won the final event of the year too at the FedEx Cup uh, finale. Um, so he won both those tournaments. When I, I didn't think he'd ever, you know, come close to winning again. Um, this time around. Um, I don't think he's going to win again. I, I think it's going to be fantastic for golf if he gets back. And hopefully I'm wrong. You know, hopefully I am so wrong because, you know, if he came back and oh, somehow won one, one of the, what a story. the cherry pick tournaments that, you know, that he we'll get gets. Him on the, we'll get him on the show. <laughs> we'll get him on the show. <laughs> but if he, you know, cherry picks, you know, four or five yeah. events during the year and, you know, maybe not next year, the year after wins one, mm. the story is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah it's Absolutely. got a bit of the Monica Sellers about it. it just came yeah, to mind. yeah, yeah, yeah. Although we're certainly a young bloke, you know, we're talking to Minloy Lee today and mm. um, we're talking to a young fellow who's 22, just got in the top 50 in the world. I mean, a lot of similar. I mean, the power is there. Um, a different path, of course, because he comes from Perth and, um, you know, it's a long way to the Northern Hemisphere, even though, you know, Golf Australia gave him a wonderful ride playing all these events. But, you know, I can't wait to speak to, to Min Wu. And are they, well, they're certainly the best brother-sister, I reckon, in oh, golf that wow. we've ever had. Well, Minji Lee, ranked number seven in the world. Min yeah. Wu now, number 49, 49. which is, so you think about that. And then you think uh, we were talking yeah. about this just before the show. Yeah. Who is the best? And you've got you cannot go past the quarters. So I'm just going to throw yeah. the throw this at you. So you got Peter Quarter who won at Slam Tennis. Yeah. Yeah, you've got open. yep. You got uh, the mum or his wife, Peter's wife, Regina, who was ranked best ranking was number 26 in the world. Um, and she, yeah, and she competed for uh, Czechoslovakia at the Seoul Olympics yeah. in '88. Yeah. Then you've got the older sister, so um, Nelly Quarter, who's at the Sorry, then you've got my apologies. The older sister Jessica, who's who's won six professional wins yeah, as yeah. a golfer on the LPGA tour. Then you've got Nelly, who's the number one golfer in the world, and she's yeah. the middle child. Then you've got the youngest child, who's a tennis player again. Sebastian player at Wimbledon, yeah. He's a he's a star. He's ranked number 38 last <laughs> October, in October, a couple of weeks ago. He's a world. star. He's that a is, star. That is five people from the one family 
who in their own right mm. are on the world, high-class world stage. Yeah. Well, look, Minji, Minji Lee's been the number one in the world. Um, if Minwoo Lee can sneak inside that top ten, I think that puts them right in contention for the best brother-sister of all time. So mm. we'll wait for that to happen. What about the Williams sisters, though? I think more. Well, we're talking golf here, though. Yeah, we're, talking okay. the, we're talking the world of golf. So the world all of right. golf for brother and sister if uh, we had a former world number one and, and Min Woo can get into the top 10, that's clearly they're the best. Um, the, the sisters, the Nelly, uh, Nelly and is it or the quarter sisters? Yep. So they're clearly the best Je- sisters Jessica, that have ever yep. played the golf, Jessica. Yep. And I think the best father-son to ever play golf or mother-daughter, so we'll put them in the, in, in the same category, are the Stadlers. Aha, yes. So Craig Stedler won the Masters and his son, uh, oh, God, what's his name? I forgot his name, but I know Craig Stedler, they called him the Walrus, um, and his son uh, was a little was bit smaller bull? version. <laughs> no, the they bull? called him the Smallrus. <laughs> so he had the Walrus and the Smallrus. Um, I reckon they're the best father-son to ever go around, even though, you know, Jack Nicholas had a, a son who played but didn't really win tournaments um, at a really high level. So did Gary Player. Gary Player had the son, who Wayne, who didn't really get there. So I reckon that we've covered it off pretty well. Well, if you list our listeners listening and they uh, they want to disagree or they've got something else to add, then obviously message us or jump on our Twitter handle at AUST Aust Golf Show. So coming up after the break, Marco, we uh, check in with one of the rising stars of world golf. That's next. Welcome back to the Australian Golf Show and have we got a treat for you right now. Our cherry-picked interview for this week is a young man who has jumped from a world ranking of about 252 six months ago to just announced number 49, which means a ticket to the Masters and, of course, so much more. Welcome to the show, Minwoo Lee. Hi, guys. How you doing? Great to have you join us. I know you're in quarantine at the moment, which is not fabulous, but uh, I know you're getting a chance to play something else, which you love. But first of all, what was your reaction when you realised you'd cracked the world top 50? Um, it was amazing. I kind of knew that it might have it might happen this week just because there's um, a man on man or woman on Twitter that uh, is like a world ranking guru and he kind of told me that I'm heading that way. So, um, no, it was very exciting. It's, it's not until it happens. And then I'm like, whoa, like, like, like you said, six months ago, I wasn't even close to looking at the top 50. So, uh, last six months have been pretty quick and, um, a lot of good golf in between. And, uh, yeah, this is the result of it. And it's just, uh, it's just awesome to see that, uh, it's just been a, like a dream of mine to get into the top 50. Meanwhile, I go back to the Vic Open that you won. Uh, it's not that long ago. And that tournament got you onto the European tour. You keep on playing well, and like so many South Africans have done, they've just got into that top 50 in the world, and you've got the golden ticket. When you look back at that Victorian Open, you know, that last day, it was so windy. Mm. I don't know what you did in the last. It was ridiculous, whatever iron it was into the last. But nine iron? The nine iron into the par five last <laughs> yeah. was outrageous. Um, but when you look back to that tournament, is that the starting point for this charge? Um. Yes and no. I think it definitely gave me confidence, but then COVID obviously hit and I had the fans and the Aussie fans mm. at Vic Open. And then as soon as after that, COVID hit. So then I had no fans for the next <laughs> six, seven months. And I, I really didn't play that good that year, um, other than obviously the Vic Open. Uh, I, was, I was pretty, I was struggling quite a bit just because I couldn't get into the zone and, you know, there's no one to, you know, feed off energy off. And, uh, it, it definitely 
I look back at it and it's one of my like cherished moments just because the just because you know it's inside the ropes and you know mm. there's fans right behind you you know five ten meters away and uh, it was an awesome experience and I definitely um, definitely look back onto it if I you know if I need to get some motivation I look at the highlights and all that so um, it's cool. I mean, golf can be such a lonely sport as we know and you just touched on that. What did you draw on then in those times when it was pretty tough? COVID throws a, another curveball that no one expected. I know your, your mum was a pro golfer and obviously your sister. Was there any help there or, or, or something else that may have perked you up? Uh, no, I think just traveling at such a young age, you kind of have to realize that things aren't going to go your way and you've got to see the positive side of everything. And uh, I, it was it was tough. Um, but you know, I just try to, I just try to, as even, even the last few weeks, you know, I have, I haven't been home in seven months and I really, I really needed to, you know, find a way to keep happy and also just be in the moment. It was, mm. it was, it was tough just to, you know, play golf and go to the hotel and not be able to go out of the hotel. You know, you were, you were in a bubble for, I don't know, it was like three months in a bubble and, you know, you stayed at some hotels for two weeks and it was so tough. Uh, having the same menu and the menu is not even you know ten foods lot ten like food items long so you're you're, you're sh- it's it was it was a little annoying but you know um, it it only made me stronger and um, just mentally stronger too you know I, yeah if whatever curveball they you know throw at me you know I can you know try to try to stay happy and enjoy the times that I'm in. Mm. We've been talking about you a lot in this podcast, uh, particularly this last end of season. Uh, I guess sprint to try and get in that top fifty. Uh, now we know it gets you into the Masters. We know it gets you into the World Golf Championship events. But what does it do to your program next year? Does this mean you're going to play a lot of golf in America? Are you going to base yourself in America? You're going to try and play both tours. What are you going to yeah. try and do? Uh, before we talk about that, um, I'm not in the Masters at the moment. I got to wait a few weeks until the end of the year. Okay. Uh, but I think there's a good chance of me uh, maybe dropping a couple more spots to get into the top 50, but uh, it's not, it's not guaranteed yet, okay. um, but it, it has a good chance, but we'll talk like, we'll talk about it. Like I have. We've been given the wrong information, but thank you. It's good. Um, yeah. A lot of people have said that. And I didn't want to say anything about the masters on when I posted online, but um just because I didn't want to get ahead of myself, but just to get mm-hmm. the top 50 was a milestone for me. Um, if I do, you know, end up out of it uh, at the end of the year, it's still, you know, I cracked it. Uh, so it's awesome, ex- awesome achievement. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, I will be playing more in America if that happens. Uh, you obviously got all the majors, um, the WGCs, which might not all happen. I think in the schedule, there's only one or so, uh, one or so there instead of the four or five that, that were happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and then invitations on the PGA tour. So uh, yeah, it's it's exciting times. Um, but uh, I think I'll uh, play more on the PGA tour if I get the chance to. So twenty two starts this year, four in the top ten, including a win at the Scottish Open back in July. What do you put your this rapid rise down to? You touched on it before, mentally stronger because of last year. But what else? Uh, I think just getting into getting into a groove a, a bit. I think I just. Um, I don't know what clicked, but my swing was awesome. You know, I had a, I had a lot of control with my with my golf ball, and I, I didn't really hit that many bad shots. I knew where the ball was going, and even if I did, I would still I would still you know manage to score. Um, you know, my putting sometimes isn't always up to scratch, but when that is, which has which it has been uh, probably until last week, uh, it 
it's been very solid and everything's been good. You know, I nearly chip in once around, which has been an amazing, not, oh, I don't think it's an official stat, but like, you know, I feel like it's about one uh, for every two or three rounds, you know, so it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. So uh, I think just everything, I think just everything clicking and, you know, I'm maturing as well. You know, I don't get mad at, I still get mad, but it, there's a little fire in me, but I don't let it affect the next mm-hmm. shot. And um, I try to just, uh, you know, swipe it away and uh, hit the next shot because I know I got a control of my ball and I can, you know, make birdies. So it's fine. Your older sister, Minji Lee, number seven in the world, which is phenomenal, the two of you. Uh, how much does she does she help you now? Obviously, in the earlier t- days, no doubt there was a, a number of discussions you would have had and um, advice that would have been passed on. But what what sort of the conversations and connections that you guys have now? Uh. I mean, we don't. Re- I mean, we talk about. We give each other support, but we don't really give that much advice. Which I mean, I I personally think I give more advice to her on like <laughs> when she's you know something's going on. You know, I help her out with the swing and stuff. But uh, yeah, she's not really into that technical side as much as me, where I kind of know um, how how the you know how the club moves and stuff. So I can um, I help her a little bit in that way, but. We, we all just support each other. We don't see each other much. So I saw her, saw her a few times this year and it's been awesome. Uh, we don't really talk about golf too much just because, you know, we're surrounded by golf. So uh, we just try to keep it, keep it brother and sister friendly. <laughs> now, um, Mark Allen, before you, a couple of generations ago, was sort of the, the man, you know, on the golf course who loved to dress up and, uh, and look the goods. Now, he noticed as soon as you jumped online that you had a little tinge in your hair. So... <laughs> So tell us about, uh, you know, your presence and, and how you like to be on the golf course. And I know you, you love your social media and you love getting out there. Yeah, I, um, you know, I enjoy being the young one, you know, on tour and I like to keep things fun. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm enjoying the life that I'm, that I, you know, play and, you know, yeah, I mean, the life on tour is awesome. Uh, sometimes, yeah, it gets, it gets lonely in that, but I try to make it, good for others i try to support others i try to help others um i know i just i just like to i like to be fun you know the hair's a bit hair you know shows a little personality just uh it, it just got a little boring and long so i just <laughs> it thought, looks good know, yeah so i just thought you know i don't know what i'm gonna do after when i get out because i might need to might need to diet a bit more um but the people that are talking smack, they're just jealous. They don't have, they don't have hair like that's me. True. So. That's, that's Mark <laughs> that, that, that's true. That's Mark Allen. That's true. That's uh, true. No, it looks good. I'm a, I'm a big fan already. Hey, can, can I just take you back? Let's, let's talk about some golf still. Uh, we've got yep. a long time left in this interview. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember interviewing you at an Australian Open uh, at Sydney. It was Mike Clayton and I, and we were doing Australian Open radio for Golf Australia. Uh, and one of the questions we asked you is, you know, when you turn pro, where do you want to play straight away? And you said the United States. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Clayton and I are a little bit old school. We've seen so many players go to Europe first and yep. that's where they, they do well and then they move on. Now that you've done exactly that, you know, you won the Victorian Open, you went to Europe, you started playing some good golf after the first season and you found yourself in the top 50. If you were telling a kid who was 17 or 18 now what he should do, would you, would you change what you were thinking back then when you were an amateur or would you still go, nah, go to the States if you can? What would you do? Um, I, uh, to be honest, I think it all comes down to how good you are and how good you play your golf because 
I was going to play on the web.com back then, Corn Ferry now. Uh, and, you know, my management was going to get me starts on the American side. And, you know, I didn't have anything to play. So, I, so they gave me a start at um, Abu Dhabi and Saudi. Mm. And I ended up, you know, I wasn't going to play on the European tour. And then I ended up coming fourth in my second event as a pro. And it just kicked off. You know, I was really close to my card. And then, you know, I just got inv- invitations from there. And I wasn't, you know, saying no to that. Uh, and it, I think, I don't know, I, I don't know if I played, didn't play as good there on, in Saudi. I don't know what I would, what I would be doing now. And yeah. I, I definitely, I'm not going to change the way I've come up um, and experienced that you know, being, being amateur to pro, but, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I wouldn't know. I think it just comes down to how good you play. I, yeah. uh, I think Europe's a very good, good pathway. Definitely. You know, this is the way that everyone says, you know, get into the top 50, but I didn't even think about this until like two weeks ago. You know, I, I didn't know I was hmm. after I came, uh, tied fourth, um, in the Dubai championship the week before, uh, the big one, I, um, you know, it was like 50, sixth or 55th or something and i just no one talked about the masters no one talked mm. about a ticket to the you know america and it just you know you just have to keep your head down and play good golf you just got it done uh i was following you at the australian open uh, australian pga excuse me up in queensland not long ago and uh i was uh commentating on a golf shot you hit into the 18th it was into the wind it was 170 meters and i was doing my arithmetic and I, your caddy wasn't looking at me, so I couldn't get the, <laughs> I couldn't get the club. So I'm thinking, you know, he hits the ball a million miles. Um, it's got to be a seven iron. You hit the seven iron, it went over the back of the green. And you know, I've told you know the, the commentary box here is 170 meters to the pin. He doesn't want to go over the back. It's probably a seven iron. He would be in between clubs here. Your caddy heard me, and then as we're walking, he showed me what club you hit, and it was a nine iron. <laughs> you hit a nine iron into a two club wind. 170 to the flag it was, so probably 180 over the back. I want to ask you, your power is such a huge part of your golf game and, and who you are. Where do you think it comes from? Oh, I might stop you there. Did you have your glasses on? Because it might have been six iron. If it was, <laughs> if it was, if it was into the wind like it that. It was a 9-9. So, nine, nine, uh, so I, clearly. Uh, if it was into the wind, uh, I don't know why I hit 9-9. Nine, nine. Um, maybe it was 150 well, should, meters. Whatever yeah, it was, I, I it was outrageous how yeah. far it went. Um, I, I, I think I, you know, it's all it's a bit of technique and a bit of gym work. But I think it's, I, I don't know. You look at you look at all the guys that are hit it long, and they're all you know kind of lanky and kind of have like long levers and you know just really athletic. You know, I'm really flexible. I don't really stretch that much, but um, I, you know, I can touch my toes easily. I can do all that, and I. Uh, I think it's a bit of combination of everything, but I think just when I was a little kid, I, I, I was good for my age and I always played with older guys and I mm. kind of just wanted to hit it long. And just, I think I, I, when I look back, I think it might've been that, you know, just trying to hit it as far as them and just somehow finding a way, you know, yeah. I jump on my toes, you know, not many people do that. Mm. And, and for the, for the accuracy part, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm not the most accurate, but I'm definitely finding a way now to, you know, hit a little fade and you know getting it getting it in there getting into the fairway but still still hitting it very long so uh you know when when i need to you know rip it i'll give it a rip but um i don't know i really don't know (laughs) last question on on the power um all the gym work do 
Do you think you'd hit the ball just as far or almost as far if you weren't doing as much in the gym? Or does the gym work just help you week to week get out there and hit it as hard as you do? So you're looking after your body and you can uh, hit that hard all the time. What do you think it is? It's, it's a bit of both. It's a bit of you know, prevention for injuries later on um, and also you know, staying strong. You know, I, I don't, for me, I don't want to get huge and buffed just because mm-hmm. I hit it long enough. I just, need to, I just need to maintain what I have. And okay. obviously, you want to you stay strong in the off-season and stay strong because you can't really go to the gym that much during tournament. Well, you can, but hmm. you know, if you feel a little weird when you, you know, mm-hmm. get tight. So, uh, it's a bit of both. I think you should get huge and buffed. Just, uh, uh, go well with the hair. Uh, I reckon, <laughs> so we get to see, I mean, we that power and strength uh, on display. I think it's um, the Australian PGA speaking of this coming January, obviously in Queensland. Yeah. Um, yeah. Looking forward to it. No doubt playing back on home soil. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, um, I'm not sure about the COVID situation, but hopefully, you know, if the fans are out there, it's going to be an amazing experience. Mm. I um, really, I really am looking forward to that. Um, I know it's not the biggest tournament, but I, I really want to go back and, you know, play, play in front of them. You know, I'd like to, I'd like to give back to, I mean, I'm not that, I'm not like number one in the world or anything, but I, you know, I can't, I want to come back and play that. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah, that's awesome. So are we, and uh, we can't wait to see how the hair looks when you get out of quarantine. Um, and we can't wait to see you in, in action in January. So thanks so much for, for joining us, Minwoo, and all the best for next year. And hopefully we'll see you in Augusta. Thank yes, you, sir. Yes, hopefully. You. Thank you. Uh, coming up next, Golf Australia's manager manager, Martin Blake, brings us up to date with how our Aussies are faring locally and internationally, including rising another rising Aussie star, Steph Kiriakou, who is eyeing a spot on the big stage that's coming up next. You're listening to the Australian Golf Show with the Gazelle, Martin Blake, joining us. And uh, Martin, Steph Kiriakou hands herself a rather impressive 21st birthday present. She sure did, uh, Tiff, and hello, Marco, as well. Uh, Steph Kiriako, she's been solid all year in, in the Europe on the uh, Ladies European Tour, and she finished tied fifth on the weekend, which actually got her up to number three in their points list for the whole year. Uh, the significance of that, and we spoke about this last week, I think, or the week before, is that it gets her into the last stage of the tour school on the LPGA mm. tour in America. Now, Steph Kiriakou comes from St. Michael's in Sydney. Um, she's been, a, she was a great amateur. She's already won a pro tournament. She won at Bonville a couple of years ago. She uh, is going to head to America and try and get herself on the LPGA, which she absolutely should have a crack at. If she doesn't get in the top 45 at the tour school over the next couple of weeks in Florida, um, she will at least get a ticket to play on the Symmetra Tour, which is the secondary tour. So a uh, big couple of weeks for her. Marco, um, I'm not sure what your experience of uh, tour schools was. This thing is eight rounds of golf. Mm. Eight rounds wow. of golf, top 45 go through. So it's over two weeks. Now, it's crazy. I, I got to the last stage of the US tour school um, in 1994. Uh, and that was just based off my rank in Australia. So that look, the pathways back in those days were so so different, Martin. Uh, um, I actually got into both the European and the US Tour uh, final stages, but um, in the end, I think Paul Maloney went to the Europe, and, and I ended up at America. Um, and I can tell you this: the, the practice rounds just wear you down. You know, the thought of it, and uh, in in the back of your mind, it's it it actually feels bigger than a tournament. 
in the end because it's not just winning a little bit of money, it's winning a, a job. Uh, yeah. It's winning yep. a job for a long time and the opportunity to do something special. So the pressure is very different, but uh, it's funny, you know, once, you know, the good players, they get rolling in tour schools and away they go. You know, Stuart Appleby came over, he got through the tour school straight away. Um, you know, a lot of good players just have a knack for putting the pressure aside and just doing what they do. They just go out, they aim at the centre of the green, they make putts. They don't make many bo- uh, bogeys and, and they end up with a card at the end of the year. So they're, they're good for some players, bad for others. Cameron Smith, of course, jumped at, um, and got himself a start in a World Golf Championship, had one high finish there, then got a couple of other invitations. Mm. All of a sudden, he was in the majors, so he played himself onto the tour rather than tour yeah. school, and I think that's what Minwoo Lee, a great chat with him, by the way, guys. Um, I think that's what Minwoo Lee would look to do if he gets, you know, if he stays in the top 50, gets in the majors, plays well in a couple of those, he'll get mm. enough points to just play himself onto the tour. Uh, it was a fairly quiet uh, weekend overseas. T- Scott Hen was the other Australian who showed up in Phuket. He always plays so well in Asia, Scott Hen. Uh, he probably should have won. He hit a lot, He had a lost ball on, a, I think it was the 16th hole, maybe going for the green on a par five, ended up finishing tied fourth. So uh, the COVID knocked out the Joburg Open in South Africa. They cut cut that down to 36 holes, and a lot of the British players went home because of the latest strain of Uh, COVID-19. Did you you see any at all of Brooks Kepka versus Bryson DeChambeau? That was... Uh, I only saw it on social media. And, uh, yeah, it looked like it did the job. You know, some people would have watched... They fill, their pockets. Nine holes. <laughs> they fill their pockets uh, with cash and away they go. So <laughs> it's not for everybody that sort of golf, but, uh, you know, the people who enjoy it, I, I bet no, they I do. think they do it for charity, don't they, Mark? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure <laughs> yeah, what they do. I'm not sure what they do. I, was, I certainly wasn't. I wasn't so enamoured with the uh, with the whole thing. I much prefer them seem come down the stretch at a US Open or a Masters or something. That's where you get my attention. Hey, you ever, yeah, go on. Tim. I was just going to say, interesting um, – Martin, you mentioned Minwoo then, and, and in our conversation with him, he said he wasn't a, a Monty for the Masters. No. He's he's pretty he's pretty confident, but he does want to obviously jump the gun. So did you? Yeah. What what's the actual process now? So it's year end. So the last ranking of the year, he has to be inside the top fifty. You know, he's in there now, but he's not playing again. So. Uh, he's going to have to sit back and wait. But there are people who know about the intricacies of these points mm. systems, which he mentioned during the interview. And uh, the, the the projection from his manager, Brent, is that he'll finish about 48. So yeah. he, he's all, all Min was doing by saying that to you today is just being a bit cautious. But which is um, good, yeah. So, so he, his happens? management believe that he's in. Yeah, and the reason they can do this is it's exactly like your Australian golf handicap. You know, it's a yep. rolling 20 rounds. Yep. So the management will be looking at the people, you know, probably from 45 to 50. They'll be looking to see what um, scores drop off the as, ones that the, drop as the off. year progresses. Yep. Uh, and they'll be able to do their sums by that. Now, if some of those guys have a big week, um, if they're playing, um, then that changes things significantly. But they probably need to have a big week. There's a guy called Guy Wall had a big week. Uh, he was playing in the senior PGA Championship. He beat Peter Lonard in a five-hole playoff. This guy uh, only turned pro in 2015. Uh, he was basically a pennant player for Pimble Golf Club in Sydney. Wow. He, he played that one? Um, uh, no, never played he was, he was sort of a career amateur who went late to pro golf, and uh, he beat Peter Lonard in a five-hole playoff wow. to, to win the senior PGA. That We've got to get one. him on the show. That that kind of story, I love that. You know, obviously an older person, he would have had probably had harboured the, 
the desire, the dream to pl- be a professional. And yeah, then- he was obviously always a good, very good yeah. player. Mm. Um, but now he's, he's always, some of these senior players are as good as they ever were, um, mm. if not better. So, can I tell um, you a little story just before yeah. we move on? Um, Butch Harmon uh, tells this story to where this guy turns up and, you know, he's been very successful in life and he's 48 years old. And he came to Butch and said, Hey, Butch, I want to get on the seniors tour. He said, Sure, let's get going. You know, he gave him a lesson. And um, anyway, uh, at the end of the lesson, he said, listen, you need to keep on practicing. Why don't you go down the back range? There's a fella down there who's getting ready for the seniors tour as well. Anyway, this fella packs his bags full of confidence, gets down there. And the bloke who's practicing for the seniors tour was Tom Watson. (laughs) And and it was just, you know, it's just a beautiful wake-up call because, you know, so many people, you know, they've been terrific golfers in their life, but, um, you know, the, the best players on earth still have to prepare for that seniors tour as well. So it's funny stories. Not many, this wall character must be a very good player. I'll whip through this as quickly as I can, guys. Membership in golf clubs in Australia is up 6.3% in 2020. Uh, Men up about 7%, women up almost 2%. Uh, We all know that golf clubs are full. This is confirmation of it. Uh, The Visionary of the Year, we spoke about this a few weeks ago, which is for the women's engagement, women's girls' engagement. The winner got announced tonight, and the winner is Shepparton Golf Club in Northern Victoria, the alma mater mater of none other than the late Jared Lyle. Uh, oh. uh, they got Kari Webb. You can look at this, folks. You can look at this on the Golf Australia website, golf.org.au. They got Kari Webb to tell the two people who drove it, who are Kim Morris and Lindley Eady. Yep. They got her on a Zoom. They finished, They played nine holes of their comp at Shepparton. Mm-hmm. They came in because of the time difference. Kari told them they'd won the won the uh, 10 Fair grand worth of Callaway products for women. Wow. For the club, they told them that they then they were so pumped up they went out and they won the comp. They went out and finished their <laughs> nine holes. <laughs> well, we had them actually talking on the uh, golf uh, golf Australia strategy session, and fantastic program that they were running. Which as as our four finalists and everyone else obviously who entered. So well done to Shepherd and Golf Club and the ladies. A couple other things. Mick McLaughlin up in Brisbane at Wynnum Golf Club played 2,000 holes in seven days. Have you caught any yes, notices? That. It's been on TV a little yep. bit. Yeah, he, he tried to get in the Guinness Book of Records. He has, in fact, broken the record, so it wow. awaits confirmation, but he's in done a it. Uh, I yeah, believe in a car. so. Yeah, in a yeah, car. He, he want to be in a car. Yeah. Was it a Ferrari or was it a uh, Lamborghini? Which one are you doing? A very fast one, actually. I saw some. I saw some footage of him uh, at the start of it, and yeah. he absolutely shanked the first shot he hit. So I thought there's going to be a long. It's going to be a long two thousand thousand holes. That I wonder one. Wonder how um, his masseuse is going. What's the yeah. record amount of holes you've ever played in a day, Martin? I played. Uh, 54 holes in a day at the National wow. Golf Club. Cape what about Jack you, Tiff? About you? 36. 36? Yep. Yeah, it's a lot of golf. 36 yes. holes. I, I think I've only ever played maybe a couple over 36, but I can remember waking up the next day. You're very sore. <laughs> Doesn't matter be. how old you are, you are <laughs> sore the next day. Well, that's a good segue because the longest day of golf is coming up, which is something that Golf Australia is partnering with this year. It's, it's a very popular event where you play yeah. 72 holes in one day in a cart. There's 3,500 golfers currently registered. It's it's all happening over the next couple of weeks. I think even the CEO of Golf Australia, James Sutherland's having a crack at it. I'm not sure whether you, you guys are involved in it. They raised, I think, $3 million last year for Incredible. charity. It's a, it's, a, it's a partnership with the Cancer Council. I, I, remember, I remember when it first started, and I reckon they had a handful of people. 
and it has grown and grown and grown until how many are playing this year around the country, Martin? Did you say 1,500? At the moment, there's 3,500 registered, but there'll be more over the next few weeks. I'll definitely play. Yeah. You're going to do it one year? I'll do it this year. Would you? 72 holes in a day? I'll try. With my love-hate relationship that I have with golf, and it's currently hate, I have to tell, <laughs> after last weekend, I don't think I could do it. Um, the Australian Amateur is being played at Cranbourne Golf Club, nice club in the south uh, eastern suburbs of Melbourne, March to uh, end of March, start of April. That was announced during the week. Fantastic. And next week at Moona Links, down on the Mornington Peninsula, the Vic PGA starts the run of events mm. which will form the Australasian PGA Tour. I think at the moment they've got yep. 14 events there. Uh, I know that the Australian Open dropped out, but they've got 14 events there plus the Vic Open to be confirmed. Mm. So they're looking like having about 15 events. Isn't that good? And on Fox Sports or KO, I believe, uh, it, still, that is happening? Yep. Still being negotiated, but I, I would imagine so, Marco. I'll give you the inside word. It's happening. There you go. Okay. Good. You're always on top of it, Marco. That, that, you that, know that all is the happening. Yeah. <laughs> hey, did you, one more thing. Did you see that they've signed up 25 players for the Saudi invitation? Yes. In the Middle East, uh, how many? I just this jumped 25. out at me. Twenty-five top players, including Adam Scott, um, to play in this one event. But the significance is they haven't received clearance from the tours that they Ooh. normally play on the European Tour and the US Tour. What's going to happen with that? There's some talk that the tours might sanction them for playing in it because it's the Greg Norman, you know, it's the, uh, the you know, it's and a the shark. series of cricket all over again. Well, the shark but, wrote them a letter. I just wanted to read you the quote before please. I go. Yeah, please. This is the letter that the shark wrote uh, to all the players. He congratulated them for, quote, taking a positive and important step in changing the way in which professional bodies should reduce controls that limit the game's ability to flourish at a truly global level. They're fighting words. Mm. Yeah, they are. I wonder if uh, the US Tour, the European Tour and the Commissioner, Greg Norman, um, can get in the room at some stage and, and just see if they can all play together. Because in my view, that would be the best result Absolutely. for golf, if we can all just play together somehow. Even if you know, I don't know how they're going to do it, but I hope they do. Well, let's watch this space. Thanks, Martin. All the latest news. Guys. And uh, we're not finished yet, though. Marco's Masterclass is coming up next. I think, Marco, Minwoo Lee is your inspiration. Yeah, that's right. If you want to hit the ball longer and straighter, just hang on for a tick. It's going to happen. Hey, Marco, just yeah. thinking, Minji Lee, you said earlier in the show, didn't get to number one. She got to number two in the world. But Are you sure? Are you sure? I'm, I'm going to do my research. I'm going yeah. to have a look. I'm oh, sure she look got to up. number one. All right. But if you say she goes only another number two. Now, now it's a brother okay that we're going to talk about. That's your inspiration for the Marco's Masterclass. Well, if you've seen this kid hit the ball, it is mm. ridiculous. He's consistently one of the longest players on the European Tour. He's not quite jockey size, but he's not far off. Uh, and the real key hitting the ball long with some control is that you need a huge shoulder turn, but your arms have to stay in front of your body. Now, the only way you can do this, if you're a right-handed player, I say you've got to keep your right arm a little bit straighter uh, for a little bit longer. And what this does is it does two things. It it gives you a nice wide takeaway, and you'll feel. I can see you both doing it right now. If you keep the right arm straight, it does two things. It gives you a nice wide takeaway, but it also keeps the left arm straight. Um, so you don't try. You never ever try to keep your left arm straight, folks. It doesn't work if you're a right-handed player. Try and keep your right arm straight. It keeps it'll, bending. Just it'll try. Give, 
Yeah, I know, but you try and keep it straight. Right. This is the key. It'll give you a big shoulder turn and it'll keep your arms in front of your body. So what happens is you'll have a huge shoulder turn, but you'll have a short swing. And, and this is basically what all the players are trying to do. They, they want the arms in front of their body and they want a big shoulder turn because the shoulder turn is the horsepower in your golf swing. Your arm and hand speed at the bottom, that's your turbo charge. Yep. And if you're lucky like Min Woo Lee, he's got both. Now, one more just before I go. If you're a little bit older uh, and you're not one of these uh, young punks who, who gets around, the, the girls and the boys, they're so flexible and they work on their flexibility. If you're a little bit older, then you've got to combine this with a hip turn. Now, Greg Norman told Butch Harmon once upon a time that he pulls his right pocket straight back. That's all he does. His right pocket goes right behind him yep. and that's how he controls his hip turn. So if you're a little bit older and you want that bigger shoulder turn, right arm straight and pull the right pocket back. Before you know it, you're going to be hitting it longer, stronger, and maybe even straighter. Love your work, Marco. Catch you next week. Catch you next week.